0: welcome to the coaching york podcast to find out more about our offers and services and to make suggestions for subjects that you'd like us to cover go to coachingyork.co.uk that's coachingyork.co.uk
1: so hello and welcome to the coaching york podcast with me fiona smith
0: and with me jeff ashton
1: so, the subject that we're wanting to talk about today, and that we were sort of starting with a question around, is what makes some relationships so positive and others so challenging? And I guess we've all been there with those working relationships. It, it doesn't matter about hierarchy within it or anything, but there's just been a great working relationship that you've had with someone you just work well together stuff that needs to get done gets done and it's actually enjoyable and on the counter side of that I guess we've all had that situation where we've had those tricky working relationships where it feels like hard work where something just isn't working for us isn't you know isn't feeling great for us we not energized by that relationship or maybe we're actually we're really bothered by it in some way and it and it's limiting our our ability to be at our best so we're going to explore a little bit around that today. To start off with that, so so Jeff, any example that you can draw on from your past
0: that would help us work through this? You you think I might have had a challenging working relationship sometime in my career? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. So here's, here's one that uh, started off as challenging uh, both for me and for the other person. So the person I'm thinking of, we'll we'll just call them Janet for the sake of giving them a name. So Janet was my line manager. It's a new job, new unit. We didn't know each other, didn't know anything about our background other than what we would maybe seen on our CVs. And Janet was uh, something of a perfectionist very high standards and kind of divided the world into three types of people. So there were people who were really not up to the job, people who were as brilliant as Janet was, and people who had potential. And I think Janet's default position was, and until convinced otherwise, then you were kind of in the probably not very good category. And that would be where the uh, where the relationship began. So I had seen Janet in action, and had a bit of a chance to think about how I might respond to the way she approached people. So, for example, if she saw something that she didn't like in the way someone else was performing, it wasn't just a simple question of could we improve it? It was a catastrophe and a disaster. And do you have any idea what problems you're going to cause if you carry on doing this and why on earth can't you be better? And that was the kind of language and the kind of uh, approach that she would uh, take with people. Uh, but interestingly enough, when it came to Janet's own work, um, nothing was ever wrong. Even when it was obvious that she actually done something wrong, uh, she would always find someone to blame. So this was the kind of the way the relationship began. So I had to think about, well, how am I going to respond to this? So I had seen people respond to Janet by being quite defensive, which then just created arguments. I took the view that uh, at some point. She was going to come to me and say, this isn't good enough and needs improving. I'd expect that. And my approach to that was to not respond emotionally or get defensive, but just to say, "Okay, so just talk me through it. What is it that you wanted to happen here? And I'll make sure it happens. And when I'd done that a few times, we'd kind of got to a point where she recognized that actually I I could go into her, here's somebody with potential category. And so we could uh, address issues as issues rather than I'm about to end the world and end everybody's career in the process. So that's kind of how the relationship started and, and, and how it began to develop.
1: OK, so, um, yeah, I think to a greater or lesser extent, I think we've probably all come across a Janet. <laughs> What's interesting from that is I think there's there's a model that can help to give some insight into what was going on there and help us to understand it to a degree where we can probably take some of the we take some of the emotion out of it by actually understanding what is going on and then making choices similar to the way you you made choices about how you would interact with Janet at at that moment when she told you it wasn't quite right. So th- there are actually two models. So the first model is called Carpman's Drama Triangle. And by nature of being a triangle, it has th- three elements to it. And there are three labels that are put on the styles of behaviour. So the first label is the persecutor. So this is the sort of person who goes, it's all your fault. You did that and it caused these problems. Why did you do that? They will exhibit quite controlling behaviour and they'll be critical and they will take the higher ground with you. They'll often be quite, um, I, I I, know what I'm doing and um, clearly you don't. One of the other parts of the triangle is, um, is called the rescuer and this is a sort of person who, will very much want to run to your aid or run to a person's aid so it will be oh no poor you let me help you let me fix it for you okay you have got a problem it's okay leave it with me and I'll sort it and that person is with good intention believes that the way that the, the best way to help is to take pain away from someone and to, and, and to sort it themselves and then the final one is the victim so this is the person who. Is in a situation and they're sort of going, "Oh no, poor me! Why has this happened to me? I don't know what to do. I don't know what actions to take. I'm, I'm stuck in this and that, and, and I can't find a way out." So those are the, those are the three, and I think just thinking about those three labels and thinking about the example that, that you talked through, Jeff, there's, the, there's some obvious, um, you know, insights there around as, as to what was going on in the relationship. There's also another model which is called emerald's empowerment dynamic and what emerald looked at doing was saying there are those negative aspects of of behavior in the drama triangle that have a have a negative impact for people what's the flip side of that how do you turn that into something that's far more positive and that goes from being a problem focused approach to being an outcome focused approach and again, what you've then got is, is three aspects of, of that to, to work with. W- with the empowerment dynamic, rather than having the persecutor, you have the challenger. So this is the person who goes, yeah, actually, I believe that you can do this. It, it may seem tough. It may be that you need to learn new skills. It may be that you need to take a different approach, whatever. But actually, I believe in you. And... If you if you focus on the, the outcome and what you want to achieve, I believe that you can do it. Another aspect of this model is around what, what's called the coach. This really takes the flip of the rescuer who says, yeah, let me help you, let me help you. And what the coach says is, well, how are you going to do it? What might you do? And they will help, they, they will facilitate you thinking your way through the problem. So it's not trying to say there isn't a problem, there isn't something to work on, but it's saying, actually, do you know what, I I believe you've got the resources to work on this. And so let's think about how you'll do it and and to coach through that. And then the the final flip side is is called the creator. And this is where a person, rather than being in that victim mentality of going, I don't know what to do, they go, actually, do you know what, I can do this. I have the ability to think creatively and to think about what the, the, the best solution might be that that person then owns the power to choose and respond how they think fit and to very much focus on the outcomes Look, this is what I, I can do it this is what i want to achieve these are the things that i can do in order to achieve that and in a very 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 quick overview of those two models that's the um that's the summary of it so thinking about that jeff and, and thinking back to your situation with janet what are your reflections
0: on Looking at the model and then thinking back to the situation and how you dealt with it. I certainly have a deeper and richer understanding of what was going on now than I did then. When I was first recruited, I wanted Janet to be my coach. That was my ideal manager. I'd had an ideal manager in the past. That's the kind of relationship I wanted. And so having a a manager who was um, more demanding, quite censorious, quite blaming as as in a first approach... You know, emotionally, that's putting me in a in an uncomfortable position. And, you know, I'm new to the job, apart from anything else. It's something I haven't done before. So I've got all that kind of stuff going on as, you know, technically I need to get up to speed and get competent and make friends with new colleagues and meet all kinds of new people. I think, reflecting back on my experience, there was a bit of a journey here. And I think Janet went on a journey from being more of a, what Mr. Cartman would call a persecutor, to what Mr Emerald would call a challenger. So the journey went a bit like, bit like this, through the conversations that I that I had with Janet about, so just, just tell me what I need to do better. The relationship changed to be one less of, where it was less blaming and more about, so here's what needs to happen, let's do it. And that didn't undermine any of Janet's core values, which was still about high standards and I want work to be done well. So there's none of that was being minimised, and I wasn't asking for that. I was basically asking to, to kind of get to the standard that she wanted, but, but working in a different way. I think one of the things I would have done differently had I been more aware of these models is I think I would have had a more explicit conversation with her about the behavioural choices that she was making and the alternative behaviours that she could have made. Because something I did discover about Janet is if you went to her and said, I've got this to do and I'm really not sure what to do with it. She would go into rescuer mode. She would go. All right. So uh, I'll help you with it then. So at that point, nothing had gone wrong. There was no problem. And we were preempting a problem before before it happened. So I could have had a very explicit conversation with her. And I'd have picked my time my moment when I would have said along the lines of so there's these two types of characteristics that you exhibit I wouldn't have used that language obviously with a as a line manager but this is what we would have talked about I said that, that there are times when you can be you know really quite forceful and they're quite intimidating and I don't find that very helpful and there's other times when you're really supportive and we just seem to get better results that way and I think as that as a basis of a conversation Yes, we kind of worked out how we would work together and actually develop quite a good working relationship. But also it would have been an opportunity to talk to her about how then she also related to other people and the effect and the impact that she had on other people. And one of Mr. Cartman's insights is that people who are, in his words, persecutors, don't see themselves like that because actually most of them really don't want to persecute people they, they're just not conscious of the fact of the effect that their behavior is having on others and that that there is that lack of personal awareness and when they become more aware of their behavior and the fact that there are different behaviors they could choose and actually would like to choose given the opportunity then behavior can change as a result you know i might even show them the two models and said well there's this and there's this and do you see yourself in these i think there was a point when the relationship matured enough where we where we could have done that If I'd ever find myself in a relationship like that again, then I would see it as an opportunity for for both of us to go on a journey. So I'm finding Janet challenging because of her behaviour, but also I recognise that she's finding me challenging because I'm not immediately up to the standard that she wanted me to be. But I could see myself getting there and I could see her getting into a place where we could have a healthier relationship.
1: Interesting. And, And... And interesting that where you did work your way through it in, in the way that was, was appropriate for that situation. But what we're talking about there was around your relationship with your manager and, and the whole, these two models of focusing on relationships. One of the things I'd quite like to just um, talk about within that is around new managers. Quite often, I, I find it that the clients that I'm working with, um, if they're moving into new management positions for the first time or new leadership positions, there's a lot of change that they're needing to deal with. That that can be quite challenging. So it might be the first time that they're having to deal with delegation. I've not had to have done that before. So how you know how do they work with that? Might be the first time that they've had to deal with managing people and they might have a whole host of different characters within that team and might be some people who they're a little bit oh, i'm not sure how to manage this person or oh, i've been told i've got this difficult person uh what do i do about it and again i think that th- this is quite a useful model where some of the language of the model is quite quite strong and quite extreme and it's a bit like your your point jeff are talking about you know no one Few people would ever set out to think I want to be a persecutor, Um, but it's it's a kind of label that helps us get to the points of what types of behaviors might be in there. I think it's maybe worth just thinking about a couple of examples where in particular new managers manager, or maybe moving into a different, a different role with a different team can use this to advantage and can use this to try and understand what's going on in the situation and possibly have conversations a bit like you say sometimes easier to have that conversation around a model and how we want things to be because by using the model you then slightly diffuse depersonalize the situation because you've got this thing that you're talking about rather than talking directly to the person in a way that might bring about defensiveness if we talk about the uh, an example of a problem person that you've got to deal with is there anything that jeff that you any examples there that you could talk through that, that might help to demonstrate this
0: yeah so here's one I, I got from another coach the situation with their client was the client had been recruited specifically deal with a staffing problem in a unit there was an individual who for whatever reason was described as a problem person there was some something in the way they were behaving the way they were acting it wasn't up to the standards that was required and this person had been recruited specifically to deal with that and so um when when the clients had had their job interview they were waxing lyrical about how brilliant they were at handling problem people Well, it was a new job and they were new into grade. So this was a a more senior position that they'd been in before and were managing a so-called problem person at a level that they'd never managed before. And to begin with, it hadn't gone very well. And in fact, the the, the person who was the so-called problem had made a complaint to HR and they'd raised a grievance. And the HR specialists basically came back. To the manager and said, "Well, if this grievance is progressed, you're going to lose it because you haven't done what you should have done. You've not behaved in an appropriate way." And so the manager knew integrate is talking to a coach about, "So what's what's happened here? What have I done? What did I need to do differently? What can I do now?" And use this model to to help help the client understand their behaviour. And essentially, the client had gone in with a blaming attitude, saying to their um, their staff member, "You're the problem." when in fact a more helpful approach could have been to say, there is a problem. This is what the problem looks like. And then to help the employee understand what it was about their behaviour that was causing a problem and and to help themselves to make that link between the two, but also not to compromise on on the standards. So they're both working for an organisation, it has certain policies, it has certain requirements in terms of what kind of behaviour is expected of people, and not to water that down in any way, And so for the client who is managing uh, to move away from this kind of more more persecutor approach of I'm going to blame you, you're the problem to the more challenger approach, which is actually there are standards that we all have to meet. You have to meet these. This is where the standards aren't being met. And this is the effect they're having. And let's talk about what you need to do so that, that they can be resolved. And let's talk about my role as a manager, either, either to make sure that they, they are resolved or to help you resolve them. So to change the dynamic from um, somebody you know, you were describing earlier, someone saying, well, I'm the expert. I'm telling you what to do. You will do this to, to a more collaborative approach. And the result of it was the, uh, the client manager did go back and have further conversations with the individual person they're responsible for. And they were able to have a more constructive relationship. They avoided the... Uh, the grievance and the staff member was able to understand better what what it was about themselves that was causing a problem and what they needed to do about it
1: yeah interesting isn't it and that that bit about withholding judgment and seeking to understand which is I guess so at the heart of coaching can make such a difference to how a relationship gets off the ground in the first place I can certainly think of examples of where I've heard of grievances being raised where um, if that initial pre-work had been done, it, I think it would have been a very different process. And and that I guess that time that the person had with the coach was um a very valuable clear headspace, which which not everyone gets in, in every situation.
0: So we've talked quite a lot about these kind of challenging individuals. What about the um, one of the other characteristics in this sort of in this great drama of work, uh, the the person who needs someone to to rescue? If you're a if you're a new line manager and that's kind of your approach to people, what kind of scenarios could that create that could be um, not particularly healthy in terms of relationships and how could they be improved?
1: Yeah, I think one of the interesting ones around this is around the whole challenge of being able to delegate work I've lived it myself as well but certainly I've seen it with clients is this bit where you're newly promoted be it you're a manager for the first time or whether you've just moved into a different role there are all those expectations on you so, so you're new into role you want to prove yourself you want to demonstrate that you're that you've got it you're good at it and that you're you're delivering well in your role so there's all that bit of that's going on for you personally as an individual. There's then the bit that you, you, you've got your team who you're, you know, getting to know, getting to understand how they're working. And typically, for, for you know, for most people, you're under quite a lot of time constraints as well. And, you you know, you've got a lot to do and you need to get through it. I, I've worked with quite a lot of clients in that situation on, is on this bit around delegation, kind of embracing the risks of delegation. There's a bit of refluence outside, you go, oh, it'd be great. I'll be a manager so I can get all these people doing stuff for me, you know, and I can just, you know, focus on the things I want to focus on. And then there's reality. And there are a couple of things that I hear played out very regularly. And one of those is I need this work doing. And if I delegate it out to this person, I, I know the right thing to do is to get my team member to, to work on it. But actually, I haven't got time. To invest in, in telling them what to do and helping them understand what needs doing to then let them get on with it. Um, I need it, so I, it'll just be quicker if I do it myself. And then there is the other bit of that, which is actually forgot to stand up and present a load of information that's been prepared. I really want to know that that's, that, that information is absolutely bang on and perfect. So, a bit back to, to Janet's example as a perfectionist, she wanted to know that if anything that went out from as being from her, I guess it needed to be absolutely perfect and there's that degree of trust in delegating it that someone's going to do it the right way but the reality is if you're a manager you've got a team for a reason and the way you will do your job best is by developing your team and taking risks with them and letting them do things and helping coach them through how to do them? It's the way that you retain your team, and your team are going to feel engaged because they're involved with understanding, you know, what the deliverables are, what what we're working to as um as as the goals of a team, and they can see their part in 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 delivering that. And then also, yes, there might be some investment up front, and yes, you might not be able to do it every single time in every single situation, but only by doing that and making that investment will you actually get to the point where you can deliver on your role itself? So thinking about almost like having that little thing on your shoulder which is a sense check of what am I doing in this situation? Am I just falling into rescuer? Oh yeah right, okay, well I, I I'll do it. I'll sort it when when your team members come into you with a question or are you actually embracing that coach identity of well, okay, so let's let's understand what what we need to achieve here and what do you need from me to help you but actually i'm going to really make sure that the ownership for this task sits with my team member
0: i think that's a really good point so if as a manager i'm doing work which actually somebody else in the organization is paid to do then apart from the fact i'm wasting money because i'm duplicating it i'm probably costing the organization more to get that job done because They've actually allocated cash for somebody else to do that. But it's not just about cash. You know, if I'm doing work that actually somebody else should be doing, I'm taking away their satisfaction, of being able to do it. I'm taking away the pleasure that they could get. My responsibility there, yes, yeah, not just to myself, it is to my, to my staff as well, and to helping them not just achieve their potential, but get as much joy out of work as, as I can get. So
1: I think, I'm just sort of thinking, reflecting back on that conversation, I suppose a bit for me thinking about how I how I've used this and maybe how how clients use this to help them it's it's not getting tied up by labels it's not focusing on the theory of a model it's about generating insights and almost like using something as a prompt to stop you to make you question yourself to build your understanding. So, not questioning yourself in terms of a, a, a doubting yourself perspective, but very much actually, I'm just going to stop for a minute and I'm going to think about what did I do in that situation? Was it in that relationship that doesn't seem to be working too well, or in this new relationship that I really need, really, really want to get off to a good start? What might be the dynamics there? And therefore, how will I choose to behave? And what type of language will I choose to use? And what approach will I take? that will help me get the best out of this situation. Final thoughts, reflections, questions, anything from you, Jack?
0: I suppose just one other thought I'd throw in, because we haven't talked particularly about people who take on a a victim mentality of I can't do anything about this. So we we did do a previous couple of podcasts on your your authentic self and your authentic working style, which do talk about sort of tapping into what you're really good at and emphasising that. So I'd recommend um, people having a a listen to those. But one of the things that Cartman mentions in when he's talking about victims is how how victims see the people who are causing them problems. So to take my example, I could have just seen Janet as a problem who's making my life difficult. Uh, in retrospect, I realized that what, how I did in fact see her was as somebody who had a place in my life and in my career who could actually improve my performance and the way I worked and I think one of the values one of the interesting things you can do by looking at these models is to think how could somebody be different but also how could I see them differently so I have my role in this particular drama got my part to play but I could but I could see people differently I could see the way that they're having an impact upon me differently as well so
1: we're at, we're, at, we're at the end of our podcast now. Thank, thank you for bringing the example of Janet Jeff, and um, using that as a as a re- I think it's a really helpful way to to illustrate some of these points. To think about situations that we've probably uh, all have been in, will be in in our life as managers, leaders, of businesses.
0: Okay, so. Uh... If uh, that's the end of our time, Fiona, I shall bid you farewell and uh, we'll come back and do this all again sometime. So all the best. Thank you. Bye, Joe.